You're listening to the IKEA Australia podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm the public affairs leader at IKEA Australia. And today I'm talking to Carol Gobinski, who is the leader of IKEA Energy at Inca Group. Hi, Carol. Hey, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining our podcast. Where are you joining us from today? So I'm joining you from Sweden, from Malmö. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your role and what you do at IKEA. Probably you can call me the biggest climate geek uh, within the organization. So uh, I'm working uh, with climate and energy. Uh, I'm part of the global team and uh, co-leading the Climate Shared Strategic Initiative, where all companies working on the IKEA brand contributed to create climate positive IKEA by 2030. Wow. So that sounds like a pretty big job. How long have you been at IKEA? What's your IKEA journey? Yeah, the time is flying. Now it's eight and a half year. I joined IKEA uh, to work with uh, energy efficiency and renewable energy in the supply chain. So I work with 120 IKEA suppliers located in Central Europe to help them with uh, improving energy efficiency and increasing the use of renewable energy within production. So after three years of doing the work with uh, uh, suppliers, I joined the IKEA in Poland and working with high focus on retail, supporting the acquisition of the wind farms and uh, started the project to implement the IKEA home solar offer for the customers. And then after one half year, it was quite short time, I joined the global team uh, to work on the new strategy uh, around climate by 2030. That's an amazing journey. And so maybe you can tell me a little bit about why does IKEA have a head of energy? What do you sort of do day to day and what does that role specifically look like? Everything starts with IKEA vision and IKEA has a beautiful vision to create better everyday life for the many people. When we look from the vision perspective, we see that climate change is one of the biggest threats when it comes to better life on this planet. And climate change is already impacting many people's lives around the world, and it will impact even more if we don't act. That's why IKEA put climate change as one of the main challenges that we need to contribute to tackle. And when we look around climate agenda, the energy piece is very strong. So within my function, I'm combining the climate part as well as energy piece. And when we look on the energy-related uh, climate footprint, it's everywhere across the value chain. When we look from the IKEA retail perspective and where I'm mainly focusing on, it's uh, connected to energy use within our operations and how to secure that we use renewable energy as well as how do we increase the renewable energy use in customer travel and uh, deliveries. Can you tell us a little bit about what are some of the global energy goals that IKEA has? So looking from the goals, I think it's good maybe to start with the climate targets which we have. And uh, mm. first of all, IKEA uh, is committed to 1.5 degree to Paris Agreement. And what does it mean to be committed to Paris Agreement? that by latest 2050, you need to be net zero when it comes to emissions. And by 2030, you need to halve your emissions. Mm -hmm. And to be able to halve the emissions, uh, net emissions by 2030, IKEA is focusing on areas where we need to drastically reduce emissions. Then we have the carbon removal part, where it's about implementing practices within the forestry and agriculture within the supply chain 
to remove more carbon from the atmosphere and store it in land, plants and, and products. And then the third part, we said that, okay, we can do a lot to reduce our own footprint, but as well, we would like to go beyond and reduce and enable people to reduce the climate uh, footprint as well. Plus, group that is responsible for the supply chain is working with uh, uh, converting all the factories to use the renewable energy, which is much more than uh, related to production of IKEA products. When we take these three parts, drastic reduction, carbon removal, and going beyond, we are aiming to reduce more greenhouse gas emissions than IKEA value chain emits by 2030. And this is what we call climate positive. How are we meeting those goals and, and how are we tracking so first of all, uh, we are measuring the climate footprint across the value chain. So uh, IKEA is uh, reporting every year what is the footprint related to materials used in IKEA products, production, transportation, our own operation, but as well product use at home and product end of life. And one part that I didn't include is as well the customer travel to, to IKEA. So first of all, it's about measuring all of these parts and then setting precise goals for different groups of emissions to reduce them. And this is the uh, approach that we took to be able to drastically reduce the emissions. So we have specific goals on the how much emissions we should reduce in our own operations, how much it should be used in uh, production. Can you tell me a little bit about the carbon removal process and what IKEA does to support that? So IKEA committed to work with the carbon removal as a part of the value chain. So uh, IKEA will not rely on offsets, will implement the practices uh, within the forestry management in the supply chain to increase the absorption of the carbon through the forests, as well as will work with the food-related supply chain to increase the carbon removal through as well agriculture practices. You talked about climate positive before, which is something IKEA talks about a lot, and it falls under the people and planet positive strategy. I'm wondering if you can talk about what are some of the challenges in implementing a global strategy like that across so many different markets that have so many different energy needs and you know different governments and different regulations. What are the biggest challenges that you face as the head of energy for such a big company? I think you already named some of them. It's like regulations. <laughs> they are so different across different markets and the regulations very often determine how profitable it is to invest in renewable energy. For example, still uh, we can see that the, the fossil fuels are being subsidized in many, many markets where we cannot see full competitive advantage of the renewable energy because of the, the subsidies within those uh, markets. And so I think definitely one part, it's, uh, it's about regulations and how quickly they are as well changing uh, within the different uh, countries. So that's why to have stable regulatory framework, it's so important. The other one, it's of course, the, which I think it's always, we can call it challenge, but as well, it's opportunity. And it's something that is really interesting as well, all the differences and how many people and different approaches that you meet. And you have many interesting actually conversations around how it can be done within the different markets. So I think it's maybe it's not a challenge, but I would say it's complexity, which brings as well many opportunities. In terms of the different markets that are in the Inca group, who do you think is currently leading the space when it comes to renewable energy and, and becoming climate positive, as you say? 
there are great examples within the different markets, I would say, because as I said, there are so many different areas where we need to take the actions. One is, for example, using renewable energy in operations. So here, the great example of uh, uh, IKEA retail in Portugal or Japan, where they are already uh, using renewable electricity, plus they are on the good way to reach 100% renewable heating and cooling use. And then we can see the example of zero emission deliveries reaching very high share in, in China. So this is the, the other great, great example. Looking on the Australia, we see the great project in Adelaide. It is combining the different elements, batteries, solar systems, and the digital element to support as well the, the local grid, which gives as well big inspiration and many learnings for a global organization. Yeah, I know that in uh, China, in Shanghai, I think we have 100% EV home delivery. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And now it's 90% of the EV deliveries in, in China, in the country. In all of China. Wow. Okay. Awesome. And so just on that Australian project in Adelaide, what excites you most about this project and what potential do you think something like this has? And maybe you could explain to people listening what this project is. Part that excites me the most, I think it's collaboration that through this project, you bring the different partners together. And the project is about to generate more renewable energy on site within the store that is being consumed. And this is done through the mix of the technologies. Uh, first of all, it's about putting the PV panels not only on the rooftop, but as well on the parking area. Then it's about adding battery storage, which is enabling to support as well the grid. When there is, a, for example, excess of electricity generation, then it's easy to, to store this within the batteries and then release it from the batteries and provide to, uh, to the grid whenever there is not enough uh, electricity uh, being uh, generated. We often say that climate action is about collaboration. It is systemic change. But actually here we can see the systemic change in action when you bring these partners together and they need to collaborate and the benefit it's shared as well. And I think this is the most exciting part uh, within this project. Yeah, and it's sort of like a, I like to think of it as like a renewable power plant on site at Adelaide. Like it it will power its own operations, but then the ambition is that it then gives energy back to the grid. That's right, isn't it? Exactly, because when we look on the on-site generation, you in some of the uh, hours of the day, you will generate more than you need and you consume on-site. So, of course, then you are able to either provide it to the grid to sell it or you can uh, store it in, in the batteries. And you have this, this option here that gives flexibility with batteries, how much and when you are adding the electricity into the grid. Amazing. So just in terms of IKEA globally, do you think there will be a point in time soon in our lifetimes where IKEA can achieve a carbon neutral footprint? I'm pretty sure that uh, IKEA will become a net zero. And I think there is no other way as well. And I think what we need, of course, it's investments and the, and competence and leadership to drive this change. And we are already taking a uh, investments uh, and share the examples of renewable energy part when, when it comes to recycling infrastructure. So I think there is a lot already ongoing 
And looking on the time frame, I think it will be quite quite exciting journey for for all of us. And we have majority of the solutions already in place. It's about more how do we implement them and how do we do it to be affordable uh, for the many. Definitely, it's such a big job when you start to unpick it all. And we spoke a little bit about regulation before and how that is prohibitive sometimes to businesses investing in renewable energy and sustainable solutions, but. I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about how business and government can work together to achieve some of these things. Do you think that businesses have a role in influencing government when it comes to renewable energy? Yes, for sure. And I think one of the primary part is to lead with actions and show how it can be done to give the confidence to the government as well uh, to implement more ambitious uh, regulations. And by sharing as well uh, what can be done, it shows as well for, for the other businesses what can, can be implemented. Then, of course, when you are working on implementation of something new and you are innovating, then you are as well discovering many uh, barriers and opportunities what can be improved to scale up uh, the climate action. And that's uh, where businesses have the role to play. And I, I believe responsibility to share as well, what are the main barriers to scale up the uh, climate action? Does this form a big part of your role as the head of Energy for IKEA? Does IKEA work directly with governments around the world? Is this part of what you do day to day or how does that work? Yes, we are engaging through different forums to share uh, our story as well as uh, show the main uh, barriers. We are collaborating through RU100 climate group campaign around 100% renewable electricity uh, consumption. We are engaging with EV100 around uh, 100% zero emission deliveries, working with Women Business Coalition, which is the coalition of many organizations working on uh, on advoc- climate advocacy, where uh, we are sharing the good cases, what can be done, good examples, but as well uh, advocating for faster action, more ambitious uh, targets, because that's what we need to see. We just have a decade to avoid irreversible changes. I'm wondering if you can talk about what it's like working with European governments versus governments in different parts of the world when it comes to energy policy, because I know, you know, closer to where you are, governments certainly doing amazing things when it comes to renewable energy. And obviously, that's different around the world. What are the main differences you see when you're working with governments in Europe who might have a really progressive energy policy versus uh, other governments around the world? It is really interesting moment uh, within European Union, I think with the European Green Deal, because the discussion and the moved a bit from debate around how ambitious should be targets and uh, if we are committed to net zero to the point that it's clear that there is a clear commitment and now it's very much about how we make it happen. And this creates this interesting environment for collaboration, which I think it should be called for action for many of the governments by seeing that when uh, there are the right policies, the collaboration between the businesses, uh, individuals and government is becoming closer. Then we see how we can move this together. And I think this gives a lot of inspiration today around how we can take the, the action and how quickly we can move as well from just the discussion about the goals, which is, of course, very, very important, but how this leads into collaboration and this systemic change. And uh, I think that's what we can start to see in Europe. 
with the European Green Deal that this bigger movement towards collaboration around how from the discussion about what should be done. In your opinion, how important is COP26? Is this the pivotal moment we've all been waiting for? Is this the last chance we have? How important is this forum that everyone is talking about at the moment? I think it's very crucial from the perspective that the, we have already Paris Agreement. We, we have the uh, global commitment. And now it's very much moving into this, what does it mean from the country's perspective and what actions we are taking? And we can see as well within the COPs and how they are evolving through the years that this, uh, this COP is focusing a lot around what is called race to zero and bringing closer collaboration between the different actors to show actually how quickly it can it can happen, the systemic change, and what preconditions are, are needed. So I think this uh, COP, I think it will be more about action. That makes a lot of sense. It'll be really exciting to see what happens in November. And so this year, IKEA launched the Decade of Sustainability how does that fit in with what we're talking about at the moment and what, what's happening in the decade of sustainability at IKEA? For us uh, at IKEA, people and planet positive strategy is a guiding uh, star when it comes to what we need to do. And within this strategy, we define three challenges where we need to play an important role on, on tackling uh, these challenges. And one of them is connected to climate change. The second is uh, the uh, unsustainable consumption. And the third is about inequality. And the decade around sustainability is about speeding up the actions with our uh, people and planet positive strategy and taking more action to transition quicker to much more fairer and inclusive uh, society as well as uh, greener. I think what is exciting as well that when we look on how we see that actually one solution can uh, contribute to tackling climate change as well as creating much more equal uh, world as well as tackling unsustainable consumption. Here, I think the renewable energy is a great example because in the past, it was such a consolidated market where not individuals, you could not build a big uh, power station at your home or it would be very expensive and not profitable. Where today with renewable energy, we actually can do it. And, uh, you know, example of, I don't know, I very often use my parents as example who uh, build a new house with PV installation, with heat pumps, and they pay for... Uh, energy per year very limited cost it's actually mm. around 100 euro which is wow yeah uncomparable to how much people are, are paying for for energy and then the next part they are looking okay can we have electric vehicles because if we can have bigger pv installation then and we have electric vehicle this can reduce the cost and i think this is exciting about this journey actually that within the decade which is coming we can tackle these issues by implementing the right solutions. So it's sort of like supercharging our people and planet positive strategy and, you know, really looking to embed those actions over the next decade and making sure that we're delivering on it, you know, comprehensively. Indeed. That's great. That's so exciting. And that's such an inspiring conversation. And, you know, I'm still learning so much working at IKEA about all of the, the things that we do. So that's that's really, really interesting. And just going back to an earlier point, but you touched on it just then in terms of how we support our customers use energy better in their own homes. How are we enabling our customers to make the change? Because as a business, it's clear, you know, we have some really uh, amazing goals when it comes to sustainability and we have the people and planet positive strategy. But how do we enable 
uh, as we say at IKEA, the many people mm. uh, to make changes in their own homes for climate action? I think when we look from the individual perspective, from our uh, selves even as individuals, there are uh, five main areas where we have climate footprints. Like we can group the, our climate footprint for uh, five groups. It's connected to food, housing, products that we buy, mobility, and leisure. As a business, we can enable people to live with the lower climate footprint by implementing the right solutions. And uh, this is uh, what is about required from us to be relevant and meet people's needs within the net zero economy or people want to live with smaller footprint and that's where we can be relevant. And examples when it comes to food is implementing plant-based food options and making them affordable and attractive uh, to the many and good example could be the plant ball, which was launched lately, or, or the, or the veggie dog, which is giving the alternative for people to choose the food that has much less uh, climate footprint. And the plant ball actually tastes like a meatball, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. Huh? Today, uh, within IKEA range, you can find the veggie ball and you can find the plant ball. The plant ball is actually very close to the taste of the, of the traditional meatball. So for the people who like the taste, I think they, they can see actually that it's, yeah, they can have alternative with only 4% of the footprint of the meatball uh, wow. when it comes to food ingredients, which is very, very big uh, difference. And then when it comes to housing, where we can play a big role is connected to energy use in, in people's homes. And one example is offering LED lighting. We very often say that we offer only LED lighting. But for example, during last four years, the energy efficiency of LED lighting, which IKEA is offering, improved by 36% on average within four years, which is enabling not only to reduce climate footprint for us as a business, but as well is enabling people to live uh, with lower costs. I can see your face smiling so much and I can, I can understand why you call yourself IKEA's biggest climate nerd because it's, it's so clear how much passion you have about this topic. And it's, yeah, it's just so good to hear. So 36% when it comes to LED. Yeah. During the last four years on average on whole range. And I think this is exactly where, you know, very often these solutions are as well part of the work that we are doing. And I think wherever you are within the IKEA, ecosystem, you can contribute in a different way to reduce our climate footprint. So colleagues who are working with developing of LED uh, lightning, right, they are working on energy improvement of that one. Then mm. uh, as the retailers uh, within the specific markets, we need to as well bring this story to, to the people that they know the positive impact on that one. The other, coming back to these areas when it comes to housing, the other one is connected to offering uh, home solar, for example. And uh, today, IKEA offers uh, the home solar in many markets to make it much more simple and more convenient for people to, to do it. When it comes to products, I think this is, of course, our core business. So I think here we are doing a lot of work when it comes to materials. And mm -hmm. as an example, IKEA is using much more uh, recycled materials in the products and renewable materials. 60% of materials used in IKEA products are renewable materials. 10% of IKEA products include the recycled uh, material content, which is like very big share considering where, where the market uh, is today. 
uh, offering this, as I mentioned before, more energy efficient, uh, efficient product, as well as offering buyback services in many markets already and enabling people to prolong product life by offering spare parts. So I think we can do a lot there when it comes to products and mobility, offering zero emission deliveries and EV chargers, for example, so people mm -hmm. can uh, come to IKEA with a smaller footprint, but as well working continuously on increasing sustainable mobility options to be accessible for people, but as well have lower uh, climate footprint. When I told my parents that IKEA was selling solar panels, they asked me if they would have to assemble them themselves on the roof. And I said, no, 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 they don't. But what an amazing service that IKEA can provide. Now we sell on top of everything else, solar panels, which is just incredible. Sustainability is obviously something that's been a part of IKEA's business since, you know, since it was created by uh, our founder, Ingvar Kamprand. But how important is this topic across our business and even at a senior level? How engaged are people on this topic? And, and you know, how much work do you have to do as head of energy to, to move some of these policies through the business? I think the engagement is just massive. And when we look on our coworkers, that's, you know, the sustainability is one of the main reasons why people want to work at IKEA and uh, climate action. It's a very important part of the, our sustainability agenda. And my work actually is to how to simplify the science-based approach and bring into the language that is understandable to the many. And uh, that's, I think, the main challenge that I'm uh, sitting on the, on the daily basis. But uh, looking on the engagement of our management board on CEO and CFO, who are, I think, already on the good way to become the climate geeks, I think we are uh, getting there to simplify the language as well and as well as create engagement. And actually, Jesper Broden, who is the CEO of IKEA Global, he actually goes to COP26 and he, like, he will be there sort of talking about all of these things that we're talking about right now and talking about how IKEA is, you know, meeting its goals under Paris and all of the, the amazing work that it's doing as a business. And IKEA have been engaging on the climate agenda as well for years. So mm -hmm. IKEA CEOs were very often part of the COP uh, during the previous years. And today, I think it's very important for us to have a strong presence when it's such an important COP uh, where we see this big opportunity to accelerate the action. Just one final question for you, Carol. When you move on from this role as uh, head of energy for IKEA Global, what would you like your legacy to be? I think one part is that climate action is a natural part of everyday work. And you can see based on the performance framework, what's the contribution you are taking at your work every day. So how much reduction of the CO2 uh, you managed, that's the one part. And then mm. the second part is that IKEA is more relevant than ever to the many people by offering solutions to live with the low climate footprint. Keeping our competitive advantage when it comes to being affordable and, and convenient as well. Because we know it's not only about providing the climate products with low uh, climate footprint, but as well how to make them affordable and uh, convenient to, to access. So that's what I would like to see these two points. Carol, it's been uh, such an interesting conversation and thank you so much for your time. And you obviously got a lot to do, you know, talking through all those initiatives. So thanks so much for taking the time to, to join our podcast. Thank you so much for having me and have a good day. Thank you.